that Alexander does not get. I made a Mobius strip based on that song in seventh grade. Really? Yeah. yeah. Emerson, like in Palmer? It's called... Uh, I thought we were just going with the Lamb Chop reference. I was saying, welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. That's oh. the opening line of a song called Carnival 9. Oh, no, I was going with, this is a song that never ends. <laughs> ah, yes. Well, that would be an endless joke, but it's already worn thin. So. <laughs> um, listeners, I would like to start with apologizing if there's any sound issues this time. We uh, are in an emptier room than usual and in some potentially squeaky chairs, so... We're going to try. It might sound like an echo. echo, echo, echo. <laughs> By the way, I'm David. I'm Alex. And we are your chaperones through the land of romance comics. I think we haven't told you yet that this is called My Comical Romance. Oh, yes, yes. If you were looking for another podcast, you are. You should stick at this one. We're better. <laughs> yeah, we're better than that other one. <laughs> hey, here we are. Um... So this is actually, we're still in season three, and we're up to episode three of season three. Yeah, we, we definitely have a very secure system that is consistent. Mm-hmm. And so those of you who have been counting the days, knowing that it would take exactly whatever mumbledy number of days it will take <laughs> until we publish again, your, your weight has been rewarded. Yay, you. Here's your present. And this is really echoey. Yeah, yeah, it is. I hope it sounds better on tape. <laughs> uh, so, we are about to embark on another comic adventure, and I have no idea what this is about. Yes, uh, we're actually doing something a little different this time. Normally, I read from a comic that I own an original or a reprint of. But this time, it, what I found was a little too obscure to be purchased cheaply or have been reprinted at any point. So we are essentially, what, violating some kind of copyright or... Public domain, Dad. Ah, public, public domain. Really? Yeah, yeah. This uh, came out in 52, and pretty sure the company that put it out does not exist anymore. Nor does the author or any of the artists or anyone well, else remotely associated with this. Well, it's not like they got credit. <laughs> right. So the somewhere somebody, you know, is happy, smiling in, in heaven to have their work come back to life. <laughs> so, um, are, are you ready to hear about this one? Tell me everything there is to know. Okay, came out in July 1952, or at least that's what it's dated for. Normally it's a couple months ahead on the, the date on the comic. So I recall that's really early for romance comics. Yeah, romance comics started in the late 40s, and uh, yeah, so this is... Somebody that jumped on to that boom. Cool. It is a specialized series that only ran for four issues. And I may need to uh, have us do an episode on every single story from it. If it's that good. Well, how are we defining good? Like we can rip it to shreds. Yes, there we go. Uh, So yes, this is a series called... Dr. Anthony King, Hollywood love doctor. (laughs) (laughs) How could that only last four episodes? That sounds like something that should have been around for decades. I know. It's it's a a tragedy. We should all have, like, Dr. Anthony King Mm t-shirts. I want a poster on my wall. 
Hollywood love doctor. Hollywood love doctor. All right. Specifically, he's a psychiatrist. Yeah, that was going to be my guess, although I could imagine other particular uh, specializations. So they were really just going all in, like, no, no, let's get the sensationalism of Hollywood starlets, the the mysterious and intriguing science of psychology. (laughs) What is the the company with the publisher? No one knows. I'm reading this uh, in scan version from comicbookplus.com, which has a lot of comic scans. It's really amazing. And they must have advertising on their site or something that... Makes it worth somebody's while to do the scanning. (laughs) They even include the advertisements from the original comic. Well, let's make sure we go out and buy all those uh, products. (laughs) (laughs) So, I'm reading us a story from issue one, which is, it was hard to choose. It's, it's... Well, I would hope we'd get the origin story for Hollywood Love Doctor. I could do the origin story, but I, I chose one a little later in the, uh... In the comic, I, I felt it was a little more solid, a bit more of a representation sort of, hit of the, the ground series. Already. But tell me just quickly, what is his origin? Oh well, origin he, is perhaps a strong he word. He was bitten by a Hollywood star, and yeah, well, no, that's the usual. Yeah, no, it's just it opens with him saying, "Hi, I'm a psychologist, psychiatrist, and I uh, work with Hollywood stars." And, and he's the only one. And solve crimes, I guess. Crimes? <laughs> yeah. Love crimes. Well, no, in the first one, there's a whole storyline about him basically solving a Scooby-Doo mystery. Excuse me? <laughs> but I want to focus on the romance. Exactly. Yes. Like, that one didn't even have a love story. It was very disappointing. How can he be a love doctor without a love story? Exactly. They were clearly finding their footing then. Maybe they changed the name later. <laughs> uh, yeah, it it was uh, sometimes called just Love Doctor. Oh, no, wait, no, it was Hollywood Love Doctor. They just made Love Doctor the big words, and mm-hmm. Hollywood is just kind of... Of course, you know, every single Hollywood star of that era was divorced and remarried 45 times, so they needed his services big time. <laughs> so the story we're looking at today is uh, Dr. Anthony King, Hollywood psychiatrist. Hollywood girl. Um, So the title is Hollywood girl. Yes. Uh, Although it does include Dr. Anthony King, Hollywood psychiatrist at the top. I'm guessing they don't use names of real Hollywood stars. No, no, it's it's all made up. I assume you know much more about 1950s Hollywood than I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm just saying they didn't have, I'm sure, the money to buy the rights to use people's names that were famous. No, it wasn't the 60s yet yeah, when they would have those, include those free posters of yeah. what? Keith Carradine or yeah. one of those guys. Those terrifying <laughs> cartoon renderings of them. Believe me, there were plenty of posters in the 50s too. Maybe not in comic books, but yeah. <laughs> no, I'm talking about the budget that comic books had. Right. Okay, so yes. We begin with a splash panel. Dr. Anthony King is uh, kind of leaning over his patient, a beautiful woman, uh, and he's saying, yes, go on, then what happened? And we get the narration box. As a Hollywood psychiatrist, I deal with the emotional problems of movie personalities. One of my most interesting cases was that of Pat Conway. I call this the case of the girl who couldn't say yes. (laughs) 
Which is interesting because you could have made that the title of the story. Mm -hmm. Hollywood Girl is a very generic one to give Mm -hmm. when all of your stories are in Hollywood. It's quite the opposite of there's a a song from a uh, Broadway musical, I forget which one, called I Can't Say No. I think it might have been Oklahoma or one of those. So she can't say yes. Correct. That's just, we hate that kind of woman, don't we? I'm just a girl who can't say no. I'm in a terrible fix. So you do know the song. Well, I know that line specifically because we sang a medley of um, musical numbers in my middle school chorus. That is the entirety of what I know of that song. Pretty much me too, to be perfectly honest. It was a sunny afternoon as I left the hospital to go to the office. And uh, there's a nurse at the psychiatrist's office who's got the traditional white ensemble with a little hat. You know, sometimes they have to administer medication or shots. Well, she's behind a desk next to a phone. Looks very secretary-ish. Mm-hmm. Doctor, Pat Conway of Monoham Studios called. She sounded very upset and insisted upon seeing you. Oh, yes. She's new at Monoham, but very good. I just saw her latest picture called Love in Spring. <laughs> As I sat in my private office waiting for Pat Conway... I wonder what sort of problem a young, beautiful girl can have. I hear she's going with that young producer, Errol Hollingsworth. Errol Hollingsworth? Yeah, you know, that totally normal name. Well, Errol Flynn was a big star, but Hollingsworth? (laughs) Hollingsworth. Was Errol Flynn's name spelled Mm E-R-R-O-L? Mm-hmm. He was a swashbuckler. Ah. The doctor will see you now, Miss Conway. Oh, doctor... I'm so happy to meet you. I'm so troubled. Won't you come in? Have a seat. It's great that he's just got such an open calendar. She can just sort of walk in and he can take her case right away. I mean, that's just how anyone in any sort of medical profession works. They're always available and, uh, you know, will immediately see you and have the perfect answer for your problems. Uh, That's the way it worked back in those days. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Before things like insurance... Anyway, as Pat Conway entered my office, I saw that here was a girl under deep emotional strain. Her eyes were puffed from much crying and sleepless nights. I tried to relax her, and she started to tell me her problem. Wait, wait, how did he try to relax her? Did he, like, give her a bunch of drugs? Mm-hmm. He relaxed her. He's a professional. Okay, so in this panel, she's sitting across from him uh, with their desk in between, Though there is the classic psychiatrist sofa off to the side. Of course. Doctor, I have a strange story to tell you. I don't know how to begin, but I'll try. You may have read that I... Why does everyone ever who has to tell a story say, I don't know how to begin, and then begins? (laughs) Or waits for the other person to say, try at the beginning? Well, occasionally they'll mix it up with, you know, saying like... Oh, and that's why, and of course I needed the bees so that I could deal with the, the lawnmower and et cetera, et cetera. And then someone will go like, maybe you should start at the beginning. <laughs> but I don't know how to begin. You don't know how to end, that's the problem. You may have read that I've been seen quite often with Errol Hollingsworth, the producer. Yes, I've heard about it on the radio and read it in the papers. You two make a fine couple. What, you didn't watch TV in 1952? Listen, he's an educated man. He reads newspapers. Good for him. I've been going with Errol for two years. 
We met when I played bit parts. We fell in love. That should have been the happy ending. <laughs> what, 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 you should, you should have, your life should have ended, like, then? But now comes the strange part. Oh, Doctor, please try to understand. I've been ashamed to tell anyone else. Oh, Doctor, I don't know if I can go on. <laughs> well, you better, because you haven't said anything worth hearing yet. Please, Miss Conway, I'm not here to judge you, only to help you. Which, by the way, the speech bubble on that one was misplaced, and it looks like his lamp is saying it. <laughs> you see, Doctor, every time Errol asks me to marry him, I become repelled. I want to say yes, but I get a headache and feel ill. I just can't seem to get the word out of my mouth. Something is holding me back. Oh, what shall I do? Oh, boy. So, she can't say yes. There's something physically preventing her from saying the word yes. Yeah, let's see. Wow. Let's see what uh, our love doctor thinks of this. There's got to be some PTSD in here somewhere. Hmm. Well, I don't think it's at all serious. (laughs) (laughs) So get out of here. You're wasting my time. You do know my hourly rate, right? (laughs) You see, Miss Conway, somewhere in your mind, you've got what is called a hidden repression. Ah, it took him five years of medical school to learn that term. (laughs) And now he's just such a seasoned psychiatrist that he can identify it instantly. What does that mean, Doctor? It means that there is something in your past which your mind has blocked out. We have to find out what that something is. Wait, wait a minute. Is there is there a, a non-hidden repression? Is there some kind of repression that's right out in the open? <laughs> it's just a, like, eh, repression. <laughs> like, no, 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 we don't need to worry about that. <laughs> After a few visits, I found out that there was a period during the war in which Pat had suffered a mental shock and could not remember. What brought this on, I felt certain, was the hidden repression. No, no, the hidden repression was brought on by the, the thing. Are you questioning an expert? All right, so stop to guess. Uh, she had a boyfriend who was killed in the war who she's totally forgotten about. <laughs> uh, and uh, so she can't marry somebody else because uh, somehow she still misses him. End hey. of story. All right, well, that was a really good episode. All right. Uh, are you uh, braced in your seat? Are you, are you ready for Uh-oh. the rest of this? Oh, here we go. Days later at the office. Pat, I want to give you an injection of truth serum. <laughs> <laughs> Which I've just invented. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, psychiatrists are always giving patients truth serum. Otherwise known as grain alcohol. This will put you in a state of semi-consciousness. <laughs> I use it all the time, trust me. That way, we will be able to go back to that time you don't remember and find out what happened. This is like, what, modern hypnosis? We're, we're improved on hypnosis. Uh, yes, but it's an injection. Yes, it is an injection. It's a chemical that will make your brain open up. Now, Pat, this won't hurt a bit. And he's got the syringe. He's going to put that in her arm. And she pulls a gun! (laughs) The injection took instant effect, so I started questioning her. (laughs) This is just like the most efficient and helpful vial of chemicals? I just, I want to know, 
What exactly did the FDA have to say about this particular procedure and, and drug? Well, maybe I, the FDA didn't exist in 1952. That would be worth checking out. Yeah, yes. I don't know. You're going back to the year 1945. What happened to deter- disturb you so? You can remember. Try it. Wait, wait, try. So, so 1945, try. sorry, uh, seven years, well, before this thing was published, mm-hmm. maybe six years before, whatever. How old is this actress supposed to be? Um, well, she's not a withering hag, so... <laughs> because, I mean, usually, I don't know, in this kind of context, they're, they're like early 20s type women. But... Maybe maybe she's like, you know, mid to late 20s. We're okay. pushing it, okay. but... So she wasn't some high school kid who had some problem. Oh, we'll see. I remember. It was during the war. Yeah, you told us that part already. <laughs> Wasted serum. During the war, I did USO shows in the Pacific. My troop plane landed on a remote but beautiful island, which was being used as a base for bomber and fighter planes. <laughs> but it was a beautiful island. Oh, what a beautiful island! <laughs> I've never seen anything like it! Welcome, Miss Conway. On behalf of myself and the 67th Fighter Command... Standing with the colonel was a tall young major. Our eyes met. My pulse quickened as he spoke to me. How do you do, Miss Conway? This is Major Rutherford. Howdy, Miss Conway. Hello. This is quite a place you have here. <laughs> it's a freaking Pacific Island. I didn't make it. <laughs> and there's a bunch of planes there. Well, Miss Conway, I'm going to leave you in Major Rutherford's hands. He'll Literally. Sh- He'll show you the base and take care of you till the show tonight. The pleasure's all mine. He showed me the flight line. There were many planes, and all the boys were very nice. Wow, isn't that something? That's what they say, isn't that something? The boys don't see any women on the island, especially such beautiful ones. (laughs) Ones? Is there another one? Uh, well, presumably she came with a larger troop, but Uh, we only ever see her. The show, yes. Yeah. Do they call her a dish? <laughs> no, no, no. They're very classy. <laughs> Would you like to see the rest of the island? I have one favorite spot that's really peaceful and beautiful. Except when the Japanese bomb it. That kind of puts a damper on it. Yes, Major. Very much. We left the base and walked along the shore of this beautiful tropical paradise. He took my hand when we reached the place he called his private heaven. I'm not liking the, um, you know, insinuations here. Well, it's it also just looks like another generic part of beautiful exotic island because uh, it's just silhouettes of palm trees and some clouds in the distance. Mm-hmm. Well, it was probably this comic was probably filmed in Southern California. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Well, this is it, Pat. It's peaceful here, so far from the war, and with you, it's perfect. Yes. It's perfect here, so far from everything, Major Rutherford. Is she able to think for herself, or does she just repeat everything that other people say to her? Well, then maybe acting was a great idea for her. <laughs> Not to impinge her intelligence, just like, you know, scripts, they're helpful. <laughs> yes. As we looked into each other's eyes, he gently took me into his arms. My heart raced as I looked into his strong, tan face. So, hold on. She met him 20 minutes ago? Listen, we have been over this. 
love is an infectious virus. Yes. And it can move instantaneously. Remember the dangerous corner? Yes. Well, especially, I suppose, in tropical climates, it, it can infect you even faster. Mm-hmm. Yes. If there were someplace cold, then the virus would be hindered mm-hmm. by, by the lack of energy there. Yes. Call me Jim. You're beautiful, Pat. Let me take you in my arms. <laughs> I'm about to make love with you. You might as well call me by my name. I feel the same way about you, Jim. It's funny how you just meet someone and you know he's the one person you've always longed for. In the comics, anyway. <laughs> yeah, but this is this is fast even by romance comics <laughs> really, standards. We gotta get to the point here. He then pressed his lips to mine, and I was lost in a world of ecstasy. She's saying all this, like, under this sort of hypnosis. Yeah, this uh, is what the truth serum's brought out. It's brought out her eloquence, among other things. Her just very flowing narrative. Yes. And I wonder if she's saying his parts, too, about <laughs> Dr. King. In his voice. <laughs> Darling, I love you. It took a war to bring us together. Jim, I love you, too. You're the only one for me. And I'll never love someone else down the road even after you're dead. As we walked back to the base, we talked of our future. Darling, I'll see you after the show tonight. We'll meet back at our own private heaven. Yes, darling, I love you so much it hurts. Oh, God. They had the most beautiful love that ever existed. For five minutes. That night, I did my act on a homemade stage out in the open, as the boys sat around. Boys, I'd like you to meet Pat Conway. I'm going to dedicate this song to you wonderful boys on this island. At last came the end of my act. I could hardly wait to meet Jim. What what was her act? Did she, like, do juggling or something? I think she sang. I mean, she said song. Yeah, all right. And there's no instruments on stage. So she just sang a cappella. Yes. All by herself. Great entertainment for the soldiers. Hey, they haven't seen women in months. Whatever. Thank you. God bless you and keep every one of you. And that's her uh, taking her bow at the end of the, the performance. I ran at once to meet Jim, and he took me in his arms. Pat, darling, I love you so. <laughs> for God's sake. I've bad news. <laughs> No, he doesn't really say that. Yeah, he does. I have bad news. Tomorrow there will be a big raid over Tokyo. My squadron supports fighter coverage for the B-29s. Did they really do raids over Tokyo? Yes, but... Was Tokyo not the capital then? Yeah, 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 they they bombed Tokyo. Wow, that's... Not with a nuclear bomb, but... No, no, they saved that for the other ones. That's right. Yeah, but, nice. but what did he say? My squadron supports fight what? My squadron supports fighter coverage for the B-29s. That's, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> His squadron provides fighter coverage mm-hmm. for the b 29 The B-29s are the bombers. Yeah. They're fighters. You don't support... What, what do you... You, like, stay behind the fighters and just, like, go get them, guys! Would, would it perhaps be a different squadron... Flying the fighters? Like, their crew on the fighters? I know very little about warplanes. Well, I mean, a squadron is like the, the planes. <laughs> it's, it's, they're not like the guys on the ground. That's not a squadron. <laughs> anyway. The next day, the fighters took off for a rendezvous with the B-29s. And we see a panel of some planes flying. 
The day after, I received the news from the colonel. I've bad news, Miss Conway. You had better sit down. What is it? Has Jim been wounded? (laughs) Yeah, you wish. (laughs) I was told that Jim's plane went out of commission, and rather than bail out, he crashed his plane into a Jap ship in the harbor. So basically, they're trying to make him a big old war hero here, and... Instead of bailing out, which is what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So... So now the army has to recruit a whole a whole other fighter pilot. That's not important to our story. <laughs> now, wait, just for to be sure, mm-hmm. did we see the body? Was it recovered? No, we just see a panel of a plane crashing into a ship. Because, you know, I can picture Jim, like, walking into the psychiatrist's office... The end of this thing saying, Why, I, I survived all these years and I'm here, I'm back. And I looked you up at your psychiatrist's office. <laughs> I collapsed while he was telling me the story and was taken to the base hospital in a state of shock. My dear, let me just explain something to you here. You fell in love in five minutes and you had a less than 12 hour romance with this person. You'll find somebody else to do the same thing with lots of others if you are so interested i'm also uh you know just generally intrigued by the idea of woman psychology being so fragile that that intense love of 12 hours led to her being hospitalized in her state of shock where i lay unconscious for days well you see She's channeling what happened to him. They were mm. so in love that his death, if that's what it was, uh, you know, sort of transmitted to her the sense of, you know, unconsciousness and loss of all sensation. That's what love does. Oh, okay. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, well, I, I, I read that somewhere. <laughs> then I was flown to a hospital in the States where I recovered. And, and wait a minute. And she doesn't remember any of this? No, no. What the hell does she think happened to her? Well, Miss Conway, you're completely recovered from that mental shock you suffered on your USO tour. What tour? I don't seem to be seem able to remember very well. It all seems so hazy. Also, at some point, somebody changed her into like a negligee, which <laughs> interesting choice for a hospital. Yes. Back at the office. So now we're back in the present with Dr. King. So this happened seven-ish years ago. Mm -hmm. She doesn't remember even the USO tour. Right. So she's now an established actress. Uh, Although when she met the producer guy, she was just getting bit parts. Mm -hmm. So somehow, prior to getting bit parts, she was already accomplished enough to go on USO tours. Yep, yep. Which is like what the most famous actors did. I I suppose less well-known ones. Yeah, they probably got some D-list ones for the less prominent places. But... Somehow she doesn't remember that that's sort of how she got her start. I, I, you know, who's, who am I to question human psychology? Yeah, there you go. That's why you don't have a comic book series. Or a psychiatry degree. Mm -hmm. I was then discharged from the hospital and felt normal except for that lapse of memory. Now, Pat, you are going to wake up. Wake up! I forgot that um, doctors are also capable of banishing drugs from your system. Ah, yes. Well... Because he's, he's treating this like hypnosis. All he's done so far is, is 
shoot her up with a drug and listen. Mm-hmm. So I don't know quite how expert he really is. <laughs> when Pat woke up, I explained her lapse of memory. Oh, thank oh, goodness great. there was a man to explain her memories well, to not her. only that, but uh, hello, it was the most traumatic thing. It knocked her out for whatever period of time. And now he's just going to dump it all back on her. <laughs> I explained her lapse of memory, and she collapsed again, and it started all over. Yes, I do remember Jim, and my promise to wait. I loved him very much, but I love Errol, too. The promise you made to Jim was what kept you from marrying Errol, even though you love him. Yes, you're right. There will always be a place in my heart for Jim, but I love Errol and must go on living. So, in other words, the love you had for Jim for five minutes was not immutable, eternal, never-to-be-replaced in fact, you found some other guy and fell in love with him. Okay, you had to have a total lapse of memory for that time. But, you know, what should be happening now is that that previous love has been reignited in her memory. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she looks at Errol with horror and disgust. <laughs> because he's not Jim. Mm-hmm. Her one and only ever true love. It's true. There does seem to be an odd exception in romance comics. For twins, yes, we've, we've established that. Twins, yes. But also if uh, a previous partner dies, especially if they right. were a soldier. Well, or on a motorcycle or any other, you know. Uh, no, we're or, not. If, or if she kills them herself. <laughs> no, those weren't real love. She got, okay, in our first episode, yes. which was also a therapy-related mm-hmm. one, mm-hmm. Uh, she got over her, you know, father-related trauma to marry her therapist. Yes. And, you know, those previous relationships, well, they must just not have been the real thing. Now, the one I'm thinking of is the one where the there's the widow mm-hmm. who has the, the guy at her office keep being like, hey, 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 yeah. date, hey. Her, her boss, as yes, I recall. Yes, yes. And he informs her that her marriage to her dead husband was actually a stupid one yeah. that they um, shouldn't have done in the first place. Yeah, they were immature and everything, which is the case here. I mean, they didn't even get married. Mm-hmm. They didn't even do anything. They just oh, the permanent eternal love. So my point is, what's the problem? <laughs> just marry the other guy. You know, it could have been hundreds of other guys. Mm-hmm. But yeah. if, in fact, those first moments were that true, true love thing, mm-hmm. the fact that she's now remembered it should mean that she doesn't like get over it, but in fact rejects the new guy. Well, but you're saying the fact that he's dead makes it okay. Yes, and was a soldier. That's very important. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of them with dead soldiers. Well, naturally. Especially uh, around Vietnam, where actually it's also often common for uh, the lady to have a baby. Yes, that too. Yeah. Whether or not they ever got married. If they have a baby, obviously they got married. Not How always. do you have a baby without marriage? No, there are times when it, the baby magically appears. It was just like premature. Like we were going to get married, so 
the baby started forming. That sounds like a very small percentage. Yeah, but it's, you know, scientifically possible. Hmm. I suppose it could also be like a sibling died and now you have to take care of their child. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Did, did we finish? There... No, no, no. Oh, I'm some... sorry. We interrupted. Suddenly, someone burst into my office. Oh my god. It's Jim. I know it. I knew it was Jim. He's back. <laughs> it was Errol Hollingsworth. Oh, oh well. Yeah, I know. Such Boring a... Errol. I mean, anybody named Errol Hollingsworth. How, how exciting can he be? Oh, Errol. Pat, darling. What's wrong? I found out at the studio you were at Dr. King's. She went to a psychiatrist. I had better interrupt that session right away. Yeah, he might tell her something like to trust her feelings or whatever. They ran into each other's arms. Errol, I love you. I do. I've been to see Dr. King to find out why I couldn't marry you. He solved my problem, and I do want to marry you. Yes, yes, Pat, my own. My own. Yeah. His. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. My my piece of property. Is she gonna? Is she gonna tell him what she found out about herself and her? Uh, well, she's got one panel left. Wait a minute! You held hands with a man on a beach. I don't want to touch you. Go away. Oh, uh, she told him the story, and they kissed. <laughs> That's what it says. That's the narration box. Okay. And they're kissing in the final panel, and Dr. King's off to the side saying, Hey, break it up, you two. This is a doctor's office. The marriage license bureau is down the street. Uh, isn't he funny? And then they all freeze frame and smile as the credits roll. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so he didn't do anything. Just injected her with a very, very frightening drug. Uh... And uh, she overcame a trauma that, as far as I know, should never have happened in the first place. Yeah, um, a trauma that she completely repressed for Mm -hmm. seven-ish years. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, therapy is just that efficient. When you have the right drugs. Yeah, yeah. But what... What is... She she collapses after barely knowing the guy. you, wouldn't it have been better to like build up the romance over, I don't know, a year or so? And then, then I mean. Even if it were a week. Say she was doing a week of shows for this mm-hmm. bunch of soldiers. And each day they met and they, the romance sort of grew. This thing happened before she even got a chance to unpack her suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> and he was kind of creepy anyway, like, hey, let me take you to my special place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I bet you do that to all the USO girls. <laughs> Well, actually, yeah. In fact, this whole plane crashing thing is just his way of kind of getting out from under some relationship that he decided he wasn't one of. He's just that afraid of commitment. Yeah, yeah. He crashes his plane very frequently in that regard. (laughs) Pretty good plan. Well, anyway, it is obviously the Japanese fault. I mean, for starting the war in the first place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. That's that's exactly how that works. Otherwise, she would never have gone through this trauma. To clarify, my dad is joking. Yes, uh, World War II was happening for a while. You think there's somebody out there who thinks I wasn't joking? Listen, there are racist people who believe some very, very ridiculous things. Yeah, we know that. (laughs) That's the reason we do this podcast, to not think about that for five minutes. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah, and we don't really have a big, larger topic to discuss after this one. Other than the, the, the stupidity of the whole story. <laughs> uh. I, I've read 
<clears throat> two issues of this series now, um, and I love them. Mm-hmm. I think that whoever wrote this had a very loose understanding of how therapy works. Mm-hmm. Especially the drug part. I mean, that's the one that cracks me up. I mean, I've never heard of that ever in real life. <laughs> I mean, it'd be kind of nice if there was, first of all, a truth serum. That, that alone would be a nice thing to maybe have sometimes. That works the same way as hypnosis, apparently. Yes, but more importantly, not so much truth per se. And, and truth is a misleading word there. It's more like a memory recovery serum. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would probably be valuable for lots of people. Although, if it were there were such a thing, you know, it would be like a nefarious, shady government tool. Yes, of course. I, I mean, think about it. PTSD is one of the worst psychological phenomena in our society for lots and lots of reasons. Mm-hmm. The, that serum didn't merely allow her to remember stuff. It allowed her to instantaneously get past the stuff. No, 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 no. You're misconstruing it. What happened was she, in her semi-conscious state, conveyed the story to Dr. King. He then told her what she had said. Okay. And then he told her what the psychology problem was. No, but she did... When he told her, she did remember. Yes, because she had a learned man helping her. Oh, I see. Well, that's true, of course. (laughs) Uh, But what I'm saying is... Lots of people have gone to psychiatrists and therapists for a long, long time and have worked out, in many cases, repressed memories. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a thing. It really is. Uh, Or just, you know, past experiences that have caused all kinds of uh, difficulties. Mm -hmm. And in most cases, it's a difficult process to go from recalling traumatic experience to processing and moving beyond and learning to live with all of those memories and all. It's not just the remembering part. (laughs) That's sort of the easy part, even without a serum. It's like, oh yeah, you know, I was in the war and bombs exploded all around me. Oh yeah, I was beat by my parents or my ex. Oh yeah, I I lost someone who I loved. All of those things really do happen in the real world. The remembering that it happened isn't the part that the psychiatrist has to help you with. It's the figuring out what to do about that. <laughs> but in his case, hey, you got the memory, you're done. You're all set. Yeah, no, it's it's um, actually a very straightforward process if you're seeing someone who knows what they're doing. He didn't become a Hollywood psychiatrist just because he's an average, typical psychiatrist. I know. But let's face it, Hollywood people, they got serious problems. <laughs> a lot more than us normal people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the price for being so beautiful. They need a special therapist. And um, in hindsight, comparing this to some of the other stories I've read with him, uh, he has a lot, a lot of stories where he's got a very poor understanding of the boundaries of the therapy-client relationship. Mm-hmm. Not so much as our previous psychiatrist. No, no, I haven't seen him try to romance any of his patients yet, thankfully. Mm. But uh, he does take a very hands-on approach to things. (laughs) Including (laughs) multiple stories I've seen now where someone will go to him and say, Hey, I know someone who's having some psychological problems. Could you go talk to them? And he'll say, Sure, introduce me to them. 
but don't tell them I'm a psychiatrist. Uh, I will secretly resolve all their problems before they even know I'm doing it. That's how it starts. <laughs> yeah, and that's happened in more than one story. Or there's ones where he'll like go to great lengths to deliberately interfere with his client's life because he'll say, oh, yes, I've decided you're making an unhealthy decision, so I personally am going to prevent it. I, I love, for example, movies that have this same basic structure. I, I, the know-it-all guy who can just solve everything with a, a clever few words here and there and uh, just jumps in and forces himself on people to do that. I find that so hilarious. And everybody around him is super irritated with it and being like, oh, how dare you? And then it turns out he was completely right and Always. solved everything. Always. More often than not, it's a detective, not a psychiatrist, but it's, it's the same thing. Yeah. Uh, but what fascinates me also, uh, the way popular culture understood psychoanalysis and psychiatry and psychology at the time, uh, you know, it was really just kind of becoming a big thing. Mm -hmm. And I know that I've seen lots of movies and, and other things that where people were into it big time. I think the way it was, though, is they believe, like, he's, what do you call it? Uh, something repressed something. What was it? Um, repressed memory. Anyway, um, <laughs> the, that's what it was. It's like everything had a label. You know, it's like, oh, you, you have this, and it's it's like, you know, measles, you know, mm -hmm. you have this sim symptom or syndrome, mm -hmm. and uh, there is this treatment for it, and if I just talk to you in a certain way, <laughs> and say the certain right phrases, bingo, it's fixed. Ah, you're Yeah, it's like being awesome. a lockpick. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. <laughs> and it's, it's fun, because people believed in all that. Mm -hmm. They... they, they I don't know if the psychiatrists believed in it, but the, certainly the, the popular culture believed in it. <laughs> and then it all got complicated. Uh, yeah. Why can't emotions just be instantly resolved and uh, have everything be simple and straightforward? There was a TV show, a surprisingly successful and really funny show, the Bob Newhart Show. Mm -hmm. um, he was a comedian, a stand-up comedian, who ended up getting his own sitcom, uh, and, and his whole shtick as a comedian was, was very low-key, straight talk, and, and the, the jokes would just come. Like, you, you no kind of emotion in his voice. And in the show, he was a, a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. And he, he actually played a convincing, like, real psychiatrist. He, he didn't have fake sort of instant cures for anybody. It was all just talk therapy. But there were times when the, when the show sort of went in the direction of saying, like, what do you even really do? All you do is just sit there and talk to people? Do mm -hmm. you actually, like, cure them? And, and he's trying to explain, well, it doesn't really work that way. And they go, aha, so you're not really a, a doctor. And I actually learned a lot about psychiatry from the Bob Newhart show. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, so, that's, that's actually all I've got to say about this stuff. Uh, well. Shall we wrap this up? Oh, sure, why not? All right, we're all done. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back in the future at some point. For another episode of... My Comical Robots! I think it's...